Yo. Head up, think fast. You're about to feel the blast. It's the dopest podcast on the net. Oh, yeah. All us geeks, fresh your bet. We round the world. We round the net. So get ready and get set. Because we make it look easy. No sweat. Jeff and Jordan, the host. Yeah, they be the best. From the north to the south, to the east, to the west. They cover movies, comics, TV shows, books. These guys gonna get you hooked. Don't stop now, just take a look. And don't forget to sign our Facebook. Cause what they doing is board games, video games. Yeah, they on it. They fly like a comet. Interviews is up. This podcast is pure. Give voice to your inner geek, that's for sure. Geek out any topic. No one ain't gonna ever, ever stop it. So if you wanna go and get it on, then head to allisgeeks.com. Oh, yeah. Welcome to episode 49 of All Us Geeks. I'm Jeff King. And I'm Jordan Steinhoff. And we're here to give voice to your inner geek. And this week, our inner geek is saying no Gen Con. (sighs) And everybody else is saying, hey, let's meet at Gen Con. (sighs) Sounds like you guys had a lot of fun last year. Let's do it again this year. And where were all you guys last year? (laughs) Everybody wants to meet this year. Get like. Five people a day reminding me I'm not going to Gen Con. I'm ready for Gen Con to be over, so those those <laughs> messages and emails can stop. I'm gonna have to turn off like <laughs> Facebook and Twitter for the next week. Just oh, look at all the awesome you're missing. <laughs> I don't mind that part. It's it was the whole oh, this is it. Yeah, we're meeting. We're oh my god, we get, I finally get to meet you, or we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that, or let's meet up, or let's play this. I was like, no, no, not going this year. No. <laughs> <sighs> And again, if we went to every con that everybody tells us we have to go to, we would be out of jobs, <laughs> and I don't know how we'd get in the door because we couldn't afford it anymore. <laughs> we have to start a Kickstarter for every pro- every every uh, convention. Down for it, right there. <laughs> Kickstart Gen Con next year. I, others have. I'm I'm not on board with that idea. Okay, Patreon it. <laughs> You know, if you if you donate ten thousand dollars or more, (laughs) we'll fly you to Gen Con to meet us. (laughs) If you're within the continental United States, since you brought that up, I uh, you know I I have we do have a Patreon account. We just need to get together for that launch. So I'm thinking, let's plan for January. Okay, that gives us plenty of time, and you and I can come up with what we want to do. The account's out there. I'm right now. I'm basically using it to support others. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which does not put money in our pockets at all. We don't even get to click through. <laughs> yeah, and so far the people I've, I, I, you know who you are. So far the people I've supported. Every time I listen to their podcasts and their podcasts, it's all like, "Hey, we've got a new supporter," and this and, and like it's like we get talked around or something. It's like, oh, you know who joined this week? Everybody but all us geeks. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, thanks, you jackasses. Did we like irritate like a gypsy woman? <laughs> the the like, podcast two years community. Ago, somewhere like... there's a meeting that was <laughs> exactly. like, no, it's like, keep them on the outskirts. Bit of goat blood <laughs> and some chicken feathers. <laughs> they shall never be mentioned. <laughs> oh, where are the names that shall not be named? Yeah. Oh my God. Now it all makes I sense. I brought it on ourselves. Oh my God. It all makes sense now. <laughs> Karma is a bitch. <laughs> 
Well, I gave Nate his name back, so things should change soon. <laughs> oh. Uh, you know, <laughs> speaking of, uh, speaking of being, speaking of just being on the outs, apparently, or something, I don't know. You know, I said we would give away two All Us Geek shirts. Anybody? We got one. Okay. So one shirt is spoken for, <laughs> which I need to, which I need to mail out. Brian, I'm sorry. <laughs> Brian actually, he he shot me his address again. Address? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're really on the outs. <laughs> yeah. uh, I want your stinking t-shirt. But he also said uh, he, he had a friend that was at Protospiel. He's like, or you can take it to Protospiel. We were halfway there when I realized I didn't have the shirt with me. <laughs> so right. I was like, turn around. Uh, guess I'm mailing it. <laughs> so that still has that. So we still have one shirt left. So the 3X is still up for grabs if anybody wants it. All I need is an email. That's that's all it costs you, an email. And all the email has to say is, I want the shirt. I'm not asking for you to keep going on a date with me. I'm, I'm not looking for roses. You don't have to In compliment verse, me. You don't have to tell Explain me how why. pretty I am. Well, uh, my self-confidence is pretty good right now. I don't need the stroke. Uh, so just... Hey, I would like to have that 3X shirt and here's my address. First person to do that at podcast at allusgeeks.com gets the shirt. It's, it's, we can't make it any simpler. This is the least amount of participation we are asking for to get something free. Unless you get know, it now, people, because uh, yeah. I'm losing weight and I will fit into it again <laughs> soon. And we have no, there's nothing on the horizon for us to get more shirts unless they are for Jordan and I for another convention run. <laughs> There's nothing on the horizon because when we put up the pre-order, that just didn't go well. So this is the last All Us Geek shirt in existence that isn't on, like, Jordan and I. <laughs> Which, that was one thing Josh brought up. He's like, hey, how come my All Us Geek isn't that color? One of the ones I wore at Protospiel. Like, all right. I'm done Come to Gen you. Con with us next time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> actually. <laughs> on a year we're going. <laughs> I don't know if it's actually going to happen because Josh is going to be a busy guy. Uh, obviously he's got a booth and the whole works, but he's like, Hey, do you want me to record anything for you while I'm at Gen Con? What, do, what would you like me to cover? I was like, well, everything. So <laughs> he's like, well, I'll see what and I And also here's my shopping list. Yeah. So if he has time and you know, Josh is a good friend, uh, to the podcast. If you are for some strange reason listening to this and you are at Gen Con, if I get it out in while time there is that, some confidence, yeah. <laughs> go say hi to the flux capacity. They've got a booth there. So. Uh, good, good, good time. Good people. Let's see. I announced this, uh, on the website, which of course went out to our social media site. So here's the bad news. And then I'll give the good news. I'm going to call it good news. I'll let you guys decide the audio interviews. I'm cutting back on. So everything that's scheduled right now is fine. I'm not canceling on anybody. Now, or anybody where are we? Where are we? Is this the good or the bad? This is, this is, this is the bad. Okay. This is the bad for everybody else because. Everybody in the world has been asking for interviews. And of course, I hate saying no, uh, but I'm saying no. <laughs> so your body, your answer. Yeah. So uh, we are going to cut back. It's primarily going to kind of affect, I think, December and on. So it, it is starting at the end of this year. I don't have a lot of slots left for this year. I'm going to cut it down to uh, I'm going to do I'm still going to do multiple interviews on my recording date. I'm just going to do them every other week instead of every week. So uh, it's just gotten to the point where it's hard for me. I'm never ahead. I've always got something that I, I haven't edited 
and, and just sitting there and it's that whole one, it's like, well, you know, Megan will ask me, well, what do you got going on? Well, I'm editing, you know, and it, so it's a little less time that we spend together sometimes. I recently had some issues where I had to reschedule a day that became a nightmare because I didn't have time to do reschedules uh, and I had to work them in on off days and all that good stuff. So uh, just cutting back is going to hopefully allow me that extra time. And if there are reasons to reschedule, I'll have another week that I can kind of jump into all that kind of stuff. So that's somewhat the bad news. I mean, like I said, we, the interviews have been extremely popular and people love them and, and people are always looking to get on. I've never had a problem filling a date. So sorry, they're, they're going to get a, a little scarcer. It's, it's, it's going to become a little, little more rare, but on the other end of that, I have opened up, I uh, had some requests because the audio interviews fill up so fast. If we would start doing written interviews on the website. Uh, and I kind of took some time and thought about that. And I already have a list of questions. I don't ever use them, but like when I first started doing interviews, you know, that whole, what if I don't know what to talk about things? So I had a, a list of questions. And then, of course, just kind of thinking about the interviews I've been doing and the questions that I've kind of become, you know, the things I've always been curious about and the things I pretty much ask every interview. So I got it down to about 20 questions. So we, we'll do a 20-question deal. Plus, or if Are you, you an animal? Yes. <laughs> and it's, uh, it, it is very much that. It, it, my instructions are you can only answer yes or no. <laughs> and, <laughs> And then I will guess who you are. Don't send me from an anonymous email that you want an interview. Do you regret asking for this interview? <laughs> yes. Have you ever listened to the podcast? Oh, we're done here. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to, well, and we already have. We've released the first one. Patrick Lankert from Sovereignty of Dust. Uh, he's got, that's his Kickstarter right now. And, uh, he did the interview and he became a site advertiser as well off of that. It was really cool. He, he, uh, is our first guinea pig for written interviews. So I have a schedule. I am only going to, it's not, it's one of those things where I'm not going to do multiples on a day. I'm not going to release multiple interviews a day, but because text editing is a lot less taxing than audio editing. I I did not like your answer at all. <laughs> Here's the better answer. <laughs> I potentially have those set up for written interviews Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. So we can fit a lot more in, actually, uh, if, if you're willing to write responses. And I do have a built-in, you need to get answers back to me at least a week prior to the date you pick for me to publish. So I've got all that set up and so far it's been going great. I've gotten, you know, Patrick is on. I got a couple for November. I got one that's coming out August 20th already. So people are responding to it and, and it's, it's coming out and I'm actually kind of excited about the one that's coming out on August 20th. That's going to be a good one. I think so. This is the new direction. So if you are interested in that, our contact form on allisgeeks.com, like normal, when you select, uh, the subject line of interview. Now there's a drop. Now there's a checkbox there. If you want, if you're asking about audio written or either, uh, and then fill it out as normal. And then I will let you know what the steps are from there. And we had our first guest review. Did you see that? I that saw was, that. uh, that was nice. Aaron from ANSR Entertainments was kind enough to do a guest review for us. It's a written review only over on the uh, website. It was for the Valiant RPG from Catalyst Games. This is something Catalyst asked us if we were interested in taking a look at. Of course we are. At some point we will talk about that. I don't know if I haven't had a chance to check it. Uh, which is why I got 
Aaron involved because I know Aaron is a big comics guy. He's a game designer and I know this was in his wheelhouse and we definitely wanted to get some opinion out there for Catalyst as soon as possible. So he agreed to take a look at it and uh, his review is up on our website and I think he did an awesome job and he uh, asked if we were interested in him doing a write up for Fate Core. Uh, so I, I, uh, told him if he definitely, you know, I, I was a little busy at the time, so I didn't have time to really look at anything, but if he wanted to write something up for us, yeah, I, I'll definitely take a look at it. So, uh, extra content on the website itself is always a good thing. So definitely, uh, check out our website. You know, I, it, there's also, you know, there's an RSS feed for the website in general, or there is the email subscription too over there. If you just want to get an email every time something gets updated on the website so you can keep up to date with everything. There's a rumor that we review games. So, you know, if, if you <laughs> check Slight our rumor. site out or listen to our podcast, you, you, you might come to the conclusion that we do review games. So <laughs> I'm just trying to quash the rumor or I should say confirm the rumor. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, it's a very quiet whispered rumor. Apparently, there's a lot of people that just don't know where to put us, what category we fit in. <laughs> if you're talking about podcasters, we don't fit for some reason. If you're talking about game reviewers, we don't fit for some reason. If you're talking about whatever, Kickstarter, we don't fit for some reason. Certainly not family fun. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, that's always interesting when I, I, I see that going on. Cause, and maybe and part of it is potentially, I guess, our own fault because we do cover all things geek and we don't niche, niche down. But I think we've got some pretty core niches and everything else is kind of icing around it or cake around it, whatever you want to say. I did attend Protospiel Michigan. That was an amazing, amazing event. And I will talk about some of the games that I played later in our uh, What We're Playing segment. But No, you signed NDAs all over the place. <laughs> yes, because that is always a good idea as a game designer. Make sure everybody signs NDAs. That'll make them want to play your games. <laughs> <laughs> and that'll make a publisher really want to take you seriously. <laughs> no, it, you think I'm joking, but we get that question over at the Game Crafter all the time, too. Seriously? Yes. Oh my. <laughs> it, it comes up quite a bit. So yeah, uh, you know, Protospiel Michigan was an amazing event. I had an awesome time. Of course, uh, anybody that's kind of been following, you might have seen, you've, if you follow us on social media, you saw what I played because I made sure I took a picture of everything we played. Uh, above and beyond that, I made the trip with Matt Warden. Uh, and then, you know, we picked up Jason Glover and David Shepard and it was just an awesome road trip. Lots of Q and A, lots of talk, uh, uh advice Q and A. Right. Yes. Uh, you know, on the way back, <laughs> TNA. But, <laughs> uh, then who got left in, out of the car? <laughs> so it, it, it was a great trip. I mean, three awesome designers. Uh, and, you know, they, uh, Jason, of course, is just a Kickstarter machine. Jason Glover, Great Gnome Games. And of course, I cover Kickstarter quite a bit. So lots of talk about Kickstarter, lots of talk about design, lots of talk about, you know, just all kinds of good things. And then we got there and got to play a bunch of people's games. And, uh, we sat in on the Happy Mitten podcast. They, they did a Protospiel Michigan event or a little, uh, episode and just a blast all the way around. So, uh, great time. I always highly, uh, recommend if you get a chance to do a protospiel or an unpub as a game designer do it because the feedback you get there is drastically different than you get if you just take it to a regular game day or something like that so check them out if you can 
And then, wow, this is, I got a lot going on in general, don't I? Should I just go upstairs, take yeah, a nap? Yeah, if you want. Can you, you know, since I haven't had dinner yet. <laughs> oh, I'll eat your dinner for you. <laughs> oh, well, thanks. I was going to ask you to make it, but yeah, fire up the grill or something while you're up there. Last thing I have for our general stuff, though, I will be, speaking of game design, I, I've kind of talked about it a little bit. I'm collabing for a co-op game with uh, Pass Coco. That Chit. So Bill over at Pass That Chit, uh, which, you know, I've taken a look at some of his games before because he was a finalist in the contest and all that good stuff. So we're doing a collaboration on a co-op game. And at the end of the month here, we're going to start a monthly broadcast we're gonna we're gonna record our design flow and process and how we came to certain decisions and stuff a couple people have said that they they're on board for that idea so uh we're gonna do it and that helps keep it in my wheelhouse so i keep working on it and uh, apparently bill told me today he's or, or today or yesterday that he's using our recording date as the launch off point to get serious about uh, everything we've been talking about, we've both been kind of working on it off and on, but he's still doing a contest entry for Fifth Street Games and stuff like that. So we're going to record at the end of the month here to start talking about basically how the game's already changed. Like we haven't even created it yet, but it's already started changing and, and evolving. And we're going to do that once a month, get together and talk about where we are with this game. The uh, idea is to have a solid prototype. For me, I'd like to have it by Protospiel Milwaukee if I get to go. Uh, I got to work out a couple things. And I know Bill has a table at Unpub 5 that he wants to try to have this ready for. So early next year, uh, we want to basically have a, a solid working prototype. So we're going to uh, record that process. Game Review. We are going to be taking a look at Nautilus Industries from Lamplight Games, which is on Kickstarter right now. Basically, it's the Victorian-style steampunky uh, game where Captain Nemo is gone, long gone and dead, but all of his inventions and stuff are kind of public knowledge, and all of these companies slash corporations uh, start utilizing it to mine the seas for uh, valuable gems or valuable uh, minerals or... and. Uh, in the process of that, they're uh, also selling their stocks and and trying to become you know, basically you're trying to become the most profitable company that is mining the seas. And one of us did. And one of us did. <laughs> Was and, it? And it wasn't Megan. It wasn't. It was a very tight game too, which we'll get to. Kind of a little bit of set collection, not specifically, but I mean it's. Getting multiple gems and selling off multiple gems is one way to move up stocks. So uh, there's a little bit of that. There's stock manipulation. There's commodity manipulation for what things cost and and or, or what you can sell things for and uh, adjusting that. There's a break between by board, by selling stuff. So you can manipulate it so that the next board is not as profitable and stuff. I mean, there's a lot of little things like that you can do. It's a, a worker placement style game in that you're, you've got each player has like these three subs that they can put down. And once a spot's taken, nobody else can be there. There's also some things you can do on your own warehouse facility, if you will. To set up the game, you put down a basically undersea tile per player 
So a uh, two-player game, you'll have two of those tiles. And each of those tiles has the different gems that you'll have. So five gems, five materials that you're mining off of the sea. Uh, and they're labeled one through five because the order does matter. So you'll have, and, and each tile is exactly the same. Uh, it's, it, you have the, the same minerals on it and the same one through five. So putting out a tile per player is just more options available for when workers go out is really what it boils down to. Uh, and then each tile will get five random, ge- I'm just going to call them gems because they're, the prototype that we got, and again, this is a prototype. Uh, this is not the final product. Uh, so we'll talk about that a little bit in, in the component aspect, but each tile will get five random gems out of a bag and you'll put them where, where they need to go by color. Uh, so it's basically you're, you're seeding what's being mined for that round. So you do that for each tile. Uh, and then when you start the game, you look at those tiles, you add up all of the gems across both tiles, uh, whichever has the least amount of gems out will start at $6 per gem. So it's the, you know, rarest gem. So if you can get one and trade it in, it's going to net you more money and you go down from there. Whichever one has the most can, will that be down in like the $2 spot? You kind of, and if there's a tie, then you take whatever, I believe it's the highest of the two that it would be, put both gems there. I thought it was the lowest. I think it's the highest and you skip the lowest. Oh, okay. Um, one of the, one or the other. Off the top of my head, I can't remember if it's higher or lower, but basically, the average of the two, <laughs> but, but basically you're going to, you're going to skip one spot. I believe it's highest and then you skip the one spot. So then the next lowest, instead of being say like, uh, if it's a four or five, you put them both on five. I think you skip the four and then the ne- so the next one's not going to go on four. It's going to go on three. I think, I believe that's how it works. If I again, off the top of my head, right the second. So that, that kind of. Uh, sets you up for what your gem, what you can trade your gems in for money at the start of the game. Uh, and then you'll have markers for stocks. So there's a, there's five different colored stocks as well. And the stocks are in values from one through six, one of each number for each color. And all of those pretty much start as worthless. So they start the game at, you know, time zero basically. And the game- there's a multiplier at the end. There's a, there's the commodities bar where the commodities are listed, their dollar value at that fluctuates. And then there's the stock tracking area as the commodities are sold and the stock moves up mm-hmm. at the bottom of each row. There's three colors and each color is broken into three numbers. Zero, one, two, three, four, five. <laughs> Math is hard. Well, it's not three sections <laughs> of three because it goes up to 10, 10. So there's 11 of them. But anyways, there's multipliers. From zero to ten, uh, at the bottom of each uh, each stock section, from zero to ten, and at at the end, that's a scoring variable. Yep. So, and we'll get to scoring here in a little bit. You don't start with any money. You start with every every player starts with a warehouse and then a die. Uh, which starts on the one pip just to show the your warehouse capacity at the start of the game. So what the one pip is basically telling you is however many gems you collect during the round, you can only ever save one. Uh, and there are ways to increase that, hence the die. That's one of the actions you can take. Uh, and then you don't start with any money. Uh, determine first player. We just, we just rolled our warehouse die and, and went with, with the highest number because I don't like specialty first player stuff. <laughs> the last person who have gone on an undersea journey. <laughs> last, yeah. Last person that saw Captain Nemo alive for real. Uh, what? <laughs> no, then that, that is not what it says. <laughs> Should get on medication <laughs> yeah, exactly. and then roll a D six. 
Everybody else, back away from the table slowly. <laughs> you don't want to be here. <laughs> Unless you're closest to the door. In which case, you run and bar it from the other side. So I think that's pretty much set up. And then so you all the other gems are in the bag. So you'll randomly pull gems. Um, they're drunk? Yeah. They're, oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, so on your turn, starting with first player, everybody will play an action. So it's, you know, fairly standard worker placement stuff from that. I mean, you've got every player has three subs, uh, and you'll place one to specify your action. So if you place it in such a way, if, if you use the action to take gems, you'll wait to collect those gems. Otherwise, everything else happens as you place. And so your actions are, again, place a sub for uh, gem collection. And you can optionally, and of course, first turn, you can't do this. Uh, you can optionally spend an extra $5. And so once you start collecting money, you can spend $5 as you place your sub and upgrade your sub and basically pick any color gem you want. And you signify that on your sub that basically when you go to collect, not only are you collecting gems from the spot you're in, which you can only collect two gems uh, per sub, the upgrade allows you to take a third, which is whatever that color is that you upgraded to, as long as it exists on your tile when that happens. And then you can place it on your warehouse to upgrade your warehouse capacity. That's where you flip your die. So, you know, instead of a capacity of one, you go to a capacity of two and so on and so forth. Uh, you can switch to gems. So you can, again, you place the sub on your warehouse. You say, I'm switching to gems. You take a gem from one spot, basically move it to the other tile and in its proper spot. So, I mean, you're, you're going to take a blue gem to a blue gem spot. Uh, and then you pick another gem and flip that over as well. You can switch the mining order, which is one I thought about exploring a couple of times, but we I never actually did. But basically, the tiles are mined in order and then in order of minerals. So like I kind of alluded to in the beginning, you know, your first your first tile in between each tile, you sell and manipulate the commodities values. So you can deplete a commodity uh, or a gem for the second tile. So you can make it like it might be worth six right now, but if you somehow collect enough of them, you can get it down to like two, uh, one to two dollars per gem on the second tile. So you might want to say, I'm collecting more on the second tile i don't want the value to go down by then so you take this action you say okay well now the second tile is actually going first and it stays that way until somebody takes this action again and flips it back and that is one thing too the all of these options are reversible it's not like some games where they say you can only do something once all of these can be reversible so that's one thing you always got to kind of keep in mind when you're playing as well and finally you can put it on your warehouse your sub on your warehouse to say you're purchasing a stock. And so again, there's, there's five colors and there's a stock of one through six. You can purchase any stock you want. So you can dig down and take like the six. And so you pay six, uh, six money, six dollars. Take that, take that stock. I, I don't know why I want to not make it dollars. <laughs> I want to make it some other like. You pay six euro for yeah. each stock. So you pay you pay your six dollars, you can take the six dollar stock. Or you pay a dollar, take the dollar stock. I mean, so that that's completely up to you. Did you just order a six dollar milkshake? <laughs> <laughs> and there's only one 
per number per color. So there's only one $6 blue stock. And then when we get to scoring and all that good stuff, we'll, we'll tell you how that gets adjusted. So that's your action phase, basically. So everybody's going to, again, you're starting with the first player. You go all the way around. Everybody does this until all three of their subs are used. There is no mechanic in this one to get like extra subs or anything like that. So you're basically always going to be using those three subs. And then we go into the market phase. And again, this is per tile. So starting with the first tile, you collect all the resources. They're numbered. So there is an order to them. So you start with gold and move all the way around to iron. And if you've placed a sub in a spot, you can take up to two of that kind. If you've done an upgrade, you also get that from whatever you upgraded to. So let's say you were on gold. There were two gold gems there. You upgraded and said you also wanted an iron, which is black. You would take a black gem and your two gold gems. Now, let's say let's say you reverse that. And here's where the order matters. Let's say you were on iron and said you wanted gold as your upgrade, well, gold goes first. If the person took gold and took those two gold gems, your upgrade is now worthless. That's also one of the reasons switching cubes is kind of important sometimes as well. All right, so you'll collect all your resources. Again, this is just the first tile. And then you're going to sell or hold whatever resources you want. So again, you whatever your warehouse capacity is, you can stash some gems, but you have to sell everything above that. There's no, I'm just going to trash it. There's nothing like that. You have to sell if you can't hold it. And if you don't want to hold, you don't have to hold a gem either. So when you sell, everybody, and this happens in turn order, So you sell all the gems you're going to sell. And then once everybody does that, then you adjust the stocks and commodity value. So what you do is uh, for every gem that was sold of a color, the price drops until, you know, you can't go below a dollar per per gem, but it drops until you either get to how many you sold or you hit the dollar spot. And then for every gem that wasn't sold, it increases a dollar. And then on the stocks side of things, the stock will go up per gem sold. And then there are thresholds that you hit where when you first start off, every gem is going to increase it. And then there's a section where it's every gem minus one. Uh, and then there's every gem minus two, uh, until the, until, the, and that's the final section. So it gets, it, it slows down a little bit the more it increases. So you kind of get to the point, especially if you're trying to get to that end game mechanic, which we'll get to in a second here. You're looking to sell off more gems, even though it might, you're going to maybe get less money, but you're looking to increase the stock. So there's a cool little trade off there. All right. So you do that. And then again, that's per tile. So then you start all over again with the next tile. Collect, decide what you're selling, decide what you're holding, get your money, adjust stocks and commodity. And you do that for all the tiles. And then we go to the upkeep phase, which is you draw five new gems for each tile. Now, anything that wasn't grabbed stays on the tile. So you're just adding to the tile. So it's kind of collecting more resources. So each tile gets five new gems out of the bag. You pass the first player token, and then you basically start your action phase again. The game ends when the first stock hits the times 10. So when it gets to the end and is kind of increased uh, to the max amount, the first stock that hits there triggers the end game. Everybody gets kind of to finish out the round. You collect all the gems, all that good stuff, and you'll sell everything. When that happens, you don't, you stop doing the 
commodity and stock adjustment stuff. Everything kind of freezes in place and you just sell for whatever it's worth at that point and all that stuff. And then the winner is whoever has the most money plus it's stocks times stock value. So this is where you've been increasing the stock value the whole time and you start getting into that times one times 10 thing. So there's that range, whatever stocks you bought. So let's say I bought that $6 blue stock. That's the one that got to times 10. Now that's worth $60 versus the six that I bought it for. So you just add all of that up and whoever has the most money is the winner. There we go. And who was that? That was. I don't think it was fully decided. Oh, okay. There were outstanding circumstances. Robin I, Williams died. We we had to call. The we game. had to stop. <laughs> Gems hit the table or hit the floor. It was. Uh, there were tears. I comforted Jordan in his moment of need. Big spoon. <laughs> Jordan won the other night when we were playing last night. All right, so let's uh, start with components. And again, this is a prototype. So these are not final components, uh, but we've got an idea and a pretty good idea of what's coming with the game. And I know we have at least one suggestion, if not two. I believe we have two suggestions. <laughs> I have pretty two. minor. Uh, one so of them. Go I, ahead. One of them I know we're going to share. <laughs> I like the idea of the gems. The gems as the the made well, one of the three major components of the games. Mm-hmm. I think that fits the underwater mining theme more than just you know cubes, just regular cubes. Yep. But for the commodity side, I think it definitely would uh, just by the the way everything is lined up in squares. I think the an actual square with a flat surface would be much better for the 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 scoring track, uh, the the commodities track up top. And then there's also when you do the upgrade, uh, you're supposed to reach into the bag and draw out another gem to mark which extra gem you're taking. But that leads to a redundant of giving back the upgrade gem to just take a gem of the same color. So while the gem concept itself works really well on the, on your warehouse and on the, on the underwater seascape, I think they need to change something up, go to cubes or go to a color, go to a cubes for the commodities track and go to a colored shit or something, you know, to denote what color you're taking when you do the upgrade other than that if what we've received in the box is going to be uh indicative of what the final game is going to be the cardboard is good uh the it's not that thick but it it's held, held together through an hour and a half of me flicking it through my fingers like <laughs> poker chips the cubes are good the art is it's not bad the the major component of the art is the seascape and that looks very pretty. The warehouse part of it, you know, that's I didn't spend a lot of time looking at it, so it didn't really need to be, you know, Neil Adams. And then the uh I didn't like it, but it's just an aesthetic thing. The commodity and stock tracker, it's designed to look worn and and you know, rubbed off because it's yeah, old. Yeah, right. you asked me about that and, right away. Yeah, and <laughs> visually that did not appeal to me, but I understand it goes with the theme, and it's gotten a lot of wear, just like everything else has in in you know the post Nemo universe. All his inventions <laughs> have been you know really used up, and now we also have this used stock tracker. So visually, it did not appeal to me, but as a component, I think everything everything in the box that we received is pretty good. I. Didn't mind the tracker, like you. Like I said, I, I that was like almost instantly when I pulled it out. You're like, is that by design? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I yeah. <laughs> but the things that we definitely agreed on was the the commodity tracks. Like I'm, I was okay. I believe I said I was okay with the gems for the gem price, uh, but for the stock manipation, cubes would have worked better for me. 
the the jams I didn't mind because it made sense. You know, you, this is the jam. Here's the price. That made mm-hmm. sense instead of because I think on that one that might be that mental blip you have. Okay, uh, green cube is okay. It's this gem. So the gem for the gem, that part I I don't mind. It's the stock one, and again, this is probably just a prototype. It was easier to put a couple more gems in the bag, kind of thing, and they kind of match up. That I would like to see be cubes and and the the upgrade uh we talked about that too uh i fully agree with that as well i i think it's i i've heard some people kind of talk about the fiddly nature uh and how that doesn't work for them for this mostly through the whole manipulation between tiles i actually like that and we'll get to that in a in a minute here but the fiddly nature of the upgrade does bother me yes so that just like you said uh a chit, a cube, whatever you want it to be there. I think in that aspect, I'm willing because it's it's less of that blip. I think because it's on that tile. Hey, I'm this orange is for this orange mm-hmm. kind of thing. I think that works a little bit slicker, but it needs to be something other than pulling a gem out of the bag, putting a gem back in the bag. I I completely agree with that. Oh, you know, um, the one thing I didn't kind of say is I we talked about the manipulation, but once like everything you sell kind of goes into a big discard pile per tile and you know i talked about manipulating by how many got sold and all that stuff so it's it's by all players once all players have sold that's per tile that's the adjustment and all then once you've done the price and the stock adjustment all of those gems go back in the bag um that's the one i thing. don't think you were putting all the oranges back in the bag <laughs> i think you were just I, stuff at some point no i <laughs> i i got to learn the feel of the orange uh that that was that was that even surprised me that was that was cool <laughs> i liked that yeah we uh and end game jordan was really hitting for orange because i think you you had all i had orange orange and black up at nine before you got gold up to nine and then oh magically jeff's (laughs) pulling the stones and magically orange and black aren't coming up anymore (laughs) you were right there you saw me dude that's Uh, a that's a that's a deep bag i got out for that one so uh it, it wasn't like i was (laughs) <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't like a little cup or something like that i was pulling gems out of so yeah so uh component wise prototype good components that came with prototype if this is kind of what's going to come with it fairly happy couple minor changes get rid of some of the fiddle, fiddliness and just like i said the stock tracker doesn't need to be gems and i'm again i'm pretty sure that was just it was less expensive for them to throw in some more gems since they were already there anyway all right mechanics what did you think it's kind of three games in one or two games in one but the second game is in two parts because first (laughs) is the standard worker placement Mm -hmm. and you're you're putting in your subs to get whatever you want to do but unlike the traditional worker placement or the majority of them only when you put your sub down underwater does that lock somebody out you know if you had five more subs you could go to your warehouse as the tracker all the time and do non-mining related things so it's not a lockout worker placement like many traditionally are and it works very well because there's limited there's a long list of things to do uh most of them you can only do or one of them you can only do once uh you can do the uh the mining the rest you can do multiple times buy your stock increase your warehouse whatever but as you only have three actions per turn there's not uh 
that's not where the AP sets in. So the first half of it, just to clarify, you can mine multiple times. You just can't mine the same spot yes, multiple yes. times. Yeah, it's possibly <laughs> I was not clear, but I mean, yeah, it's because you're locking each other out right. in a specific right. spot. The second half is where I split it into two games when we get to the commodity thing, because the first half, while we're still in the yellow uh, part of the uh, of the bar graph, uh, where the low multipliers are, it's the early part of the game. You're just trying to make money because you have no warehouse capacity. So you're kind of forced for the first round, maybe two, to buy and sell because you're not spending all your activations on upgrading your warehouse. And that forces all the stocks up if you get an even distribution of gems relatively equally. And we did experience that for the first few rounds. Everything moved up a little bit. But then the second half of that enters where the commodity and, and the manipulation and market manipulation, the whole Gordon Gecko thing really comes in <laughs> is when the movement penalty comes in and it becomes a two to one to get your stocks going. So then that's where the second part of the game comes in. Now you're starting to specialize. Everything has, you know, moved up a little bit. Did you jump early on a stock that you now regret? Did you buy the $6 gold and it's still down in the zero multiplier because that just hasn't come up? Well, you're not going to work on that anymore because it's the farthest one back. So that's where the second part of the game, the manipulation really comes in. And that's definitely, that was my favorite part of the game. And it's a really strong demarcation where that starts because you go from a one-to-one stock move to a two-to-one. And that's when you really start planning what you're going to buy in terms of stock, what gems you've got to go for, either to increase your own or to prevent your opponents from selling them. Because that's when I was not getting the oranges or blacks, all I could do was buy the golds and and the blues to just sell them off enough to not go up. You know, when it gets into the green, it's a four to one exchange. So if I'm only selling three, it's not going up on the stock tracker. So you can make a little money. Goes up one. Hmm? Goes up one. It's neg- negative one in the orange, negative two in the green. Right. So, okay. So, so yeah. yeah, if I'm, if I'm only selling two, it, it it's not going to yeah. go up. Yeah. So, and, and that's where late game, the warehouse for me anyways, it became a little bit more important because yeah. I could just same stockpile here. the stuff I didn't want you to, to benefit from. I did the same yeah, thing. Mr. Four yeah. Oranges, what, what, what little bit of orange came out, I jumped on right <laughs> away and got it in my warehouse. And then some of the other stuff, like we talked about, n- neither one of us really wanted to, uh, move the, the reap order of the boards, but I think that in three, four, five player game mm-hmm. would definitely be a lot more active. And then we both took some turns to move gems around, sometimes strictly to benefit ourselves, other times just to dick with each other. <laughs> so mechanically, I think it all works very well. And it is kind of two games at once. And I think it works. Uh, all aspects of it work well together. It looks, when you lay it out, very simple. Mm-hmm. Some cardboard tiles and that, some yeah. gems, but it very quickly, especially after when you get out of yellow on the stock track, it very quickly becomes a much more calculated game. It starts off kind of light, but then, uh, and I think especially at five people, it could become a bit of a, a brain burner. And if you do have the dude or dudette that is prone to AP, you're not, you're not going to want them playing this game. <laughs> At least not without a minder, you know, somebody to just think ahead, <laughs> move your fuel. Um, no, this is uh, mechanically all around, I think a pretty sound game. Yeah. And you hit on one of the things that I, I really wanted to kind of talk about. It's you lay it out and you look at it and you're going, okay, yeah, it's, this is going to be so, you know, I, oh, I got three subs. I could do three things. Very simple kind of feel to it. Right. It is a brain burn. It, it does make that flip. I mean, and early on it really was, okay, I need, I don't, I don't have any money. 
I need some money, you know, kind of thing. And so you're gathering all that money. And then, like you said, it, it, there's two, there's two big switches. Uh, it's when you start getting into the penalty and when somebody finally breaks the seal on stocks, yeah. right? Cause then you're also like, okay, do I, where are we at? Where, where's everything at? Do I jump on that bandwagon of a stock? Do I try to, manipulate a different stock do I, you know so there's a lot of little things going on and this is one of those games where first player has advantage of where they get to mine first so they get to lock up something early but that's last, the only advantage they have that's what i'm saying but last player has a big advantage on messing with whatever's been laid out on the board you know in, in a lot of worker placement games there's a, a bonus for not being first you know and and the farther away from first you get the more money resources whatever there's none of that here because i really do think first is kind of a penalty mm-hmm. no i i agree uh like i said the only real benefit you get is trying to lock down a spot yep. that you know everybody kind of wants because you get to be you're the first person to get to do that but last player is huge i think in this game and that was one of the things, and you had kind of talked about it. that was one of the things we got into. Like I had made a play to kind of mess with you or not mess with you to, to slow you down or to not, to not take away from me. Basically mm-hmm. I, I wanted, I burnt an action to make you burn an action. And then when we were, and it was like, we talked about this, it was our princess bride moment for this game because it was like, well, I wasn't going to do that anyway. And, but I had talked myself into it. Like it was the only valid option I had left on the, on the table at that point, because at that time, I, well, that, that saved you from me getting four blacks, right. which would have moved me into the 10. Right. And at the time I was convinced that you were just like, I, I, I had no, I, I had to do everything in my power to play catch up that there, I was so far behind. It wasn't even funny, uh, which we found out was not really the case, it, which was another nice thing. It, it was a tighter game than we, we thought it was when it came down to it, but it was, yeah, it was one of those things like I, you know, and I'm sitting there like seriously. I've got one piece of card, you know, this little cardboard <laughs> token in my hand, but it is your face. I know. It's like, <laughs> There's only one true option for this and I've got to figure out what it is. And, you know, I made that move and I, I mean, you responded exactly like I expected you to respond, but that's because I forced your hand to respond that way versus, well, I was just going to go somewhere else anyway. So I wouldn't have messed with you like you thought I was going to. Uh, but I mean, it was just that, you know, that deep think there and it was a brain burner. There, there's not only that, there's the when to sell gems. Because sometimes, I mean, sometimes you're going to unload a bunch of crap. You're going to take the dollar per to even move the stock up. Even if you've maxed your warehouse to six, you know, we many times got to the point where we had six plus a lot more. So there was no choice of what the choice was what you were going to sell, not how much you wanted to. Right. And some of the selling comes down to like, I'll unload dollar gems to move the stock up. Yep. Or I'll warehouse this stuff because I don't want the stock to go up. Uh, or like you're saying, especially when you get into later game, and, and this is where you pay attention to player order because first player sells first, yada, yada. So if I see that you've sold two orange gems, I'm going to keep warehousing my gems. If you didn't sell gems and we're in the green, I can sell two orange safely and not have it move up. So all of those, just all of those little decisions that you get to make along the way turns this into a bigger brain burner than you were, you would think looking at it on the table and starting the game. And we say that in a good way, mm-hmm. in a very good way. This is, you know, there are some brain burners that it's just like, 
I, I can't play this right now kind of thing. This wasn't that. It was a good, it was a good medium feel brain burner when we were getting into it and one that I kind of look forward to playing with more people. The mechanics are, I think, really nicely, really nicely put together for this game for what they were going for. And like you said, kind of almost that two split game feel. You know, some, some games, it doesn't matter if, you're always cycling a new player to teach, but I think this is kind of like Seven Wonders. It shines. It will shine when you have a group of whatever the size, a group of experienced players. Mm-hmm. So what, once you've got everybody that has gone through a game and knows what they're doing, that I think removes a little bit of the first play AP and, uh, we'll, we'll have things go smoother and definitely faster. Even if each person is making decisions, as long as they're keeping up with what's going on ahead of them, this should be still, even at five players, a relatively smooth, if not necessarily time-wise fast, a smooth game. All right. So rules. What we got was regular, you know, double-sided sheets of paper, that kind of stuff. So, you know, the prototype rules, they were really well laid out. There's not a lot in there for like examples and stuff right now. Visuals. So once the visuals get added in, it's going to be an even better kind of rule book. One of the nice things too about your warehouse is it has your phases and actions and all that stuff right on there. So basically you have the entire turn order right in front of you all the time, plus the actions that you can do. And it doesn't take very long. You know, it's, it, it's not like lengthy descriptions or anything, but you know, when you, when it's telling you to place a sub or upgrade your warehouse or something like that, I mean, once you know what those actions are, you don't need a lengthy description for stuff like that. It's just a nice With reminder. With right hand, raise yeah. the sun. <laughs> it's just a nice reminder. Uh, where they do get into a little more description is like the market phase stuff, which is a little more in depth or whatever. So that you know, it's, it's kind of nice. The reference, the reference on your warehouse, which also has your die and where you put your gems. I think that's that, that works really well. They did a good job with that. So rules, I, I don't have an issue with as they are. Um, and, and again, once they put the visuals in, I think the the only thing I will say, I believe I told you, I would redo the setup order a little bit because I think as it's written, the at least the copy I got is put all the gems in the bag, pull out your five per tile, then pull out one gem of each or two gems of each to put on the commodities track. It's like just start with those gems out. I mean, you know what I mean? Just reverse that. I mean, why put those gems in to draw them out and all this? Just start... Pull it, and that's what I did. I just had all our starting gems in a little baggie off to the side, and it's like, bam, here we go. Uh, just that little twist. And again, if you end up replacing that with something else, not an issue then. If if you have like the cubes or something like that, but that was a little goofy to me, so we never did that because it didn't make sense to me. That's the only minor thing I think I had. Did you have anything you thought was? You know, we only had to refer to them once, you know, to, to get the, admittedly, that was a 10 minute discussion, but <laughs> we only had to refer to them once to, to see if we were doing the multiplier right. So uh, they seem pretty streamlined even without the visuals. Yep. All right. So then, uh, teachability. What did you think? Pretty good. Small rule book. And you gave me the, the basics before we were done setting up. Yep. And then again, reference card right in front of each player. So. Yeah, it's a pretty, pretty good one. It's easy to teach. Uh, again, where you're going to kind of get into it is the second half of the game, that switch. And it, it doesn't change what you're doing. It just changes how you think about what you're doing. So, uh, may not be, may not be the most casual gamer friendly game at that point. <laughs> uh, but teaching the game is not an issue by any means. 
All right. So what did you think of the theme on this one? It was, well, the standard, right? It could have been anything. <laughs> I do not object to it. Um, when you described it to me as what it was, I was like, eh, that's interesting. I mean, I like the literary character and I like the, or the dead literary character. And, <laughs> you know, it's an interesting, it's an interesting concept. It's underwater and it's Victorian esque, uh, seascape on your card, warehouse scape. And, mm. you know, if you've seen, if you were unfortunate enough to watch, oh, that stupid show on stars. Was it stars? The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen knockoff. Oh, um, Showtime? Yeah. Um, 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 um. <sighs> Anyways, the one I stopped watching? As did one? I. Yeah. But you saw... Penny Dreadful. Yes. You saw the Victorian era warehouse, dockside warehouse space. Very much similar to what's in the card here. It's, for what it is, for the fluff of the game, it, it works. It gives you, you know, the, the things look a little alien, or not alien, but a little futuristic from the for the area you're supposed to be in and the underwater area looks like an underwater area and the, the gems are very much a fantasy there's there's only two real world gems gold or ores gold and metals i should say gold and, and uh iron or whatever and the, the other three I, I forget the name of but th- thematically i think it's it's light but it, it works i would say yeah it's 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 uh fairly I don't want to say this like it's a bad thing or anything, but it's a fairly standard Euro worker placement Euro in that the theme is thin. Mm-hmm. There was no, I'm deep sea diving, you know, or anything like that. Uh, it, it was more the thinking about the manipulating the stocks and, and how all of that was going to play out and, and how I could get the most out of my money and stuff like that. That's not necessarily a bad thing. That's, you know, it's if, if you're looking for deep theme here, you're not going to get it. No. But the theme works for what the, and for the game that they put together. Mm-hmm. And it's not bad. Uh, it's just thin. It is a, a thinner theme. I would say the same thing again. Uh, love the game. Lords of Waterdeep. You can get great. by that without making an, yeah. any D and D reference at all. Yeah. You know, great, great game. Great lighter worker placement. Theme is barely there, mm-hmm. but love the game and love playing it. Same with Nautilus Industries. Theme is kind of barely there, but it's there and it's there if you want to look at it and explore it but the game mechanics and everything is where this game shines yep all right so fun factor slash overall what do you got for us you know i think this is uh, like definitely a solid you know seven to eight for, for for me this is i went in neutral because like i said the thematically the concept appealed to me as you described it and i generally like worker placements but from the description you gave me, you know, when we were just talking about it, I wasn't really sure what it was going to be and what we were going to be doing. So I was, there was some positive, some negative there. But after a playthrough, not even one whole playthrough, about, about halfway through the game, it definitely jumped up to a solid, a solid game for me. This is fun in all aspects, making your decisions both, you know, on, on the, on the stock market and on the, on the seafloor. It, it's a very fun game all around. It's, you know, we talked about it afterwards. It's a little bit more grindy than a lot of the games we've been reviewing lately. So I definitely think that's a plus. Not like I want every game to be grindy, but <laughs> it's, it definitely made a nice change. It's just decision making enough that it can verge on AP if you've got somebody that, uh, has poor decision making abilities. 
Sometimes that's me, <laughs> as noted by my lack of winning <laughs> in, in most things. But it, it's not that grindy that every player is going to sit there pulling their hair out every turn and just calculating everything that has happened both before and after. So it's a good balance of uh, of fun and, and decision-making. There was never any feel of punishment for me. Like, um, you know, some games, it's just, this is the last action I can take. Uh, there's a, a good variety of actions here. So you never felt, I never felt anyways, that it was a throwaway action or it was uh, the best of a worst possible scenario. Uh, so yeah, I, I really rather enjoy this game. It was definitely uh, in the seven or eight range here. Can't be a 10, but it's definitely a seven or an eight. <laughs> and kind of what you were talking about too, that's one of the nice things about the upgrade option too. It's you, you never really feel... Uh, necessarily 100% locked out of something if, right. if you really don't want to like, you know, cause if, you know, if somebody's on the gold and there's three gold there and let's say they did do an upgrade, but they did an upgrade to orange. Well, you know, there's a gold there. So if you're, uh, if you're early enough in the line, you can do a gold upgrade and still come out with a gold, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. So, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, agree there. Um, this is, I'm going to say that there aren't too many games that when you and I are playing them and, and we enjoy a lot of different games and we've played a lot of different games. I don't think there's too many that when we finished your comment is, yeah, I want, I'll play this again or I want to play this again. You know, that kind of thing. I mean, there, there are some games that we have because they're quicker games that we've gone. Okay. Let's, let's do it again. But something in this vein, like you were talking about, this is, it was a heavier game than we've been playing recently. Uh, so it was a nice, change for us and we did enjoy that but to have something go as long as this did and as kind of grindy well we had quite a few interruptions right (laughs) and and but the the grindy kind of part and you know there you know i I did it quite a few times where i was just like well i don't like any of my decisions right now i don't want to do any of this Mm -hmm. you know and and again that's not because of the game that was just me thinking ahead and at that point you'll note those comments always came up when you were first player exactly that's what i was just (laughs) gonna say so it was just like everything i wanted to do i'm like in my head it was like here's how jordan can screw that up (laughs) so that was really cool but i i was completely on board with you when we got done and we were like yeah i want to play this again i want to and i want to see it with a few more players at the table and and stuff like that so a solid game uh, this is going to be a rare one for me where if i actually had the game budget right now i would probably back it yeah yeah, this, this is, this is definitely a solid game. Uh, I would go check it out on Kickstarter, see if it's something that you're kind of interested in, especially after, you know, hearing us talk about it here. Again, I, it just launched within the last few weeks here, I, I believe. So probably going into, I, I should have pulled that up before we recorded tonight, but I as Jordan can attest, I barely walked in the door when he got here because <laughs> I am on call, unfortunately. So. Late August, end of August, early September. I'm assuming it's probably going into the first week of September. But again, it's uh, Nautilus Industries. Uh, they did take out a, a site ad. So on allisgeeks.com as well, you can just head over there. It'll obviously be in the show notes like I always do. But it'll also, there's a, an ad at the top of our site that you can click over if you want to try to find it that way. And go check it out. Watch the videos. Other people have reviewed it. Uh, so far, I've been hearing good things all the way around from other reviewers as well so definitely go go give it a look what we're watching i 
absolutely know I'm missing some crap because again, I didn't get, there's a lot of times when I do this and I, if my list is too short, I go, Megan, what'd we watch? <laughs> and she'll rattle off like 20 things. I did not get to do that. So falling skies. And actually I will say that we, we did fall behind here for a while. So we probably have watched less because we binge watched a couple things. So falling skies was one of the things we power watched, uh, cause we were about three or four episodes behind. Uh, we just kind of got into a, a spot there. So I think we're one episode behind cause I think uh, one just came out, uh, after we got done power watching it. Still enjoying that. I, uh, is this the last season for that? This, this was one of the ones I think got canceled. I have no idea. So I think this might be the last season. That's one that didn't make it past three eps for me. Yeah, so. I know. <laughs> uh, Defiance, of course, we, we power watched that last night. Uh, I got caught up with that. So, uh, still loving that show. Still, uh, just absolutely, uh, uh, think that's a great show. Uh, little concerned from the aspect of, cause, you know, I started following some of the actors on it from our Alice Geeks Twitter feed and, uh, I've been seeing a lot of hashtag renew defiance. So there seems to be a campaign going on that I hope it's not in jeopardy because that is a great show. Well, it's sci-fi. So. Yeah. But still a great show. Yeah. No, I mean the two. No, are I, I know that. Great show. Cancel it. Yeah. WWE. Let's roll. <laughs> Sorry, wrestling fans. Great. That's Jordan at allusgeeks.com. <laughs> True Blood. Getting through the last season of True Blood. Some of that I'm okay with. Some of it, meh. Last couple episodes have been fine though. I've been all right with it. They brought uh, Rutger Hauer back <laughs> for uh, for an. Two episodes, maybe an episode or two episodes. That was a while ago, though. This wasn't this most recent episode. Uh, but that's one we pretty much watch as it happens because I don't think we want to fall behind on that because I don't know if that you'd bother to catch up. I think we would. It would just take a while. <laughs> it's out on DVD now. Can we watch stuff we have on yeah. our DVR? <laughs> uh, Face Off started up again. So I love that show. So that is, is up and running again. And we've been enjoying that. It's always fun to see what, uh, all these creative people come up with. I'm always amazed. And I know, okay, one, some of these people are amateurs. So I get that. Some of these people are like, yeah, I'm self-taught, blah, blah. Especially this, this season, it seems like there's yeah, more of that. <laughs> there's more of that. Uh, and two, I know they're in a time crunch kind of thing. You know, you've only got X number of time to do that. And you're pretty much doing it by yourself. I'm always amazed at the amount of people that cannot get a cast open or crack something or like, Oh, this happened is like one, how many seasons has this been on? You know, and two is it's seems like that's like a trick of the trade, but again, it's, you know, some of these people have been out of it for a while. Some of them are amateurs. Some of them, and, and again, there's the time crunch. So you're rushing fine, but the required it, drama. Yeah. <laughs> the required drama is like, Oh, oh no, no. Put that back on. <laughs> now pretend you can't get it open. <laughs> now see if anybody else in the shop will help you. <laughs> Well, at least for right now, there's a lot less. Of, there's there isn't a whole lot of drama, so which I always appreciate. I, I know I know that's what sells at times for some of these shows, but really, I'm just there to see what they make. I don't I don't I don't want you know an in house fight or any of that kind of crap. <laughs> Let's see, and then of course uh, we haven't recorded in a little while. Went and saw Guardians of the Galaxy. Loved it with the caveat, and I've said this. I forgot who I had this conversation with. But some people think I'm wrong. Whatever. Uh, that, some? Yeah. That's, that's not, that's not an abnormal thought. Make your process. comments and I'll tell you why. <laughs> well, okay. So 
the individual I got into it with about this actually said, I'm too plugged in because they, okay. I think Guardians of the Galaxy was a little overhyped. I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. I, I thought uh, excellent one. It, it is a movie that I would go see again in the theater, which is saying something because I hate going to the theater these days. But the hype leading up to it was just way too much. Now, this individual is like, I've heard nothing about this movie. So you are too plugged in because there's no such thing as this hype for Guardians of the Galaxy, which I think was ridiculous. What rock was this person? That's what I'm saying. Because I I went opening weekend and it had already been hyped like absolute craziest and yeah, you know, we're plugged into the geek community, if you will, through all of our social media stuff. But even beyond that, there apparently this person doesn't have television or internet either. <laughs> there was hype. I, and I think it was overhyped a bit. I, I think people coming off of it thinking it was like, you know, the, the next, you know, the, this is our Star Wars and all that kind of stuff. I think that's too. Do you know much. why they're saying that? Because it was the Empire Strikes Back <laughs> mixed in with a little bit of Chronicles of Riddick. <laughs> Sorry, Mr. Gunn. I don't know if you were going for homage or outright ripping off. So, Jordan, what did you think of the movie? No, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. But I went into it from a different perspective than a lot of people. And my perspective was, other than Groot, I did not like any of the casting for any of the mains. There's absolutely nobody really? in that movie that I actually like. There's nobody You're in that on Chris movie. Pratt? There's nobody in that movie (laughs) that I will go watch a TV show or go to a movie just because that person is in it, except Vin Diesel, unless it's a Fast and the Furious movie. (laughs) (laughs) You know, nobody. Um, The only person other than Vin Diesel I liked was, what's her name? The Bunny Boiler. Uh, Bunny Boiler. Oh. Glenn Close. (laughs) Close. (laughs) uh, I'm 30 year old reference might miss a good deal of our audience. I, well, I'm sitting there going through the, like the movies, like flipping through my head. I'm like, bunny boiler. Boil well, that was a missed? side shot. I missed. <laughs> I know I almost missed like Nathan Fillion and all that crap, but bunny boiler. <laughs> but even despite the, to my mind, casting every, it was like the all-star <laughs> cast of people Jordan doesn't like. And the fact that it was pretty much Star Wars mixed with a bit of Chronicles of Riddick, I enjoyed it because (laughs) it was fun. Mm -hmm. Say what you will about the divide between DC and Marvel movies. Marvel's movies, even at their highest drama, are still fun. Mm -hmm. DC movies make you want to walk out of the theater and take a shower and either kill yourself or go to confession. You know, (laughs) Marvel movies, all of them are fun. And this was even more fun than than the Avengers to me. I as a team movie, despite disliking every human that was in it, I thought this was a much better movie than Avengers. So this must clearly be a far superior movie than what I think it is. <laughs> it was fun from start to to end. They gave you a good explanation of why this dude is in outer why a human is in outer space with a Walkman. They gave you a good come together without needing all the film buildup of the Avengers. You know, they had to lay out the work for the Avengers to build their universe. I don't think it was overhyped because it was such a departure from everything that the MCU has done. They had to push it. They had to push it just so that everybody would see the Marvel flappy, flappy, flappy. If nothing else, this is a Marvel movie. So on past experience, it should be good because Marvel puts out good movies. So I don't agree it was overhyped. 
I don't agree with a lot of the casting decisions, and I think it was pretty pretty uh, derivative story-wise. But despite all that, it still came out very enjoyable for me. See, you, one, you, mis- you misunderstand what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the hype leading up to the movie. I'm talking about people coming out of the movie. Oh. Um, I'm talking about people coming out of the movie and saying that this is the greatest thing since ice cream and sliced bread and that kind well, of stuff. Well, I, I believe that because there are a lot of people for, for whom this would have been the first choice as far as, as far as a, a team movie goes, but it didn't have the, the, the niche that, that Avengers did. And again, I want to stress because we've had people in the past focus in on the wrong thing. <laughs> <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. <laughs> I had a good time. I enjoyed all of the casting. <laughs> I loved the casting. Everybody was on the fence about Bradley Cooper. I didn't have a problem with that. He did a really good job. I like Chris Pratt. I like Zoe. I liked everybody in this movie, and uh, it it was a good... I almost wish it was earlier in the summer. This was a great summer popcorn flick to just have fun with. And you're right, Marvel, this was the huge, and we're seeing all the the memes and everything else, but this was the huge, and maybe not intentional, but huge middle finger to DC for not putting up, for saying Wonder Woman's too damn complicated and all this other crap that we're hearing about why we're not getting certain stories out of DC. They put... A tree that has like one phrase <laughs> and a talking raccoon who likes to shoot shit up. <laughs> you, your argument is now invalid. <laughs> We're not destroying any moons. Oh, you suck all the joy out of life. Uh, so it, I mean, Cooper had the best lines mm-hmm. and Groot had the best physical scenes. Mm-hmm. He, I mean, going in, everybody was like, Oh, the raccoon is going to be so cute and awesome. But I, I, every scene that Groot was in, I, I think. Uh, he stole it from everybody uh, other than a few a few times with uh Drax i think i was leery of casting a wrestler <laughs> but i think making him the most literal character in the universe kind of was a good play on what i'm going to say is probably negligible acting skills <laughs> i have not seen him in anything else i don't know if he's done anything else so mr batista don't come body slam me but <laughs> I think having him be like Worf, you know, the straight man, mm-hmm. I think it, it, it played to, to his skills very, very well. So yeah, I did like the movie, but I do, I still think it was overhyped. And I just start like, I watched the first episode. I had insomnia one night, so I grabbed my tablet and fired up Netflix and watched the first episode of the first, I'm, a, I'm assuming season of Young Justice. Mm-hmm. So that was good. I'm going to continue on back. with that. Um, is it? Okay. Yep. So I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep watching. I'm going to, from um, off and on, I'm going to try to get that in. I, I enjoyed that first, first, uh, episode. So that's, uh, what I had on my watching list. Well, as you can tell, I also saw Guardians. What? Um, <laughs> also been watching Defiance. Uh, Longmire just finished up. It kind of finished up, uh, what had been an ongoing arc over two years. And the last two, three eps were very intense. I mean, Really, really good stuff. I really enjoyed it, and I'm really glad that uh, I've been watching this show because it was kind of, I don't know if they did it deliberately or if, like stretching out this particular arc with his wife over the two years or if that's just how it worked out while they were trying to tell their other stories and wedge this little thing in. But it was a great two-year build-up to, to this resolution of his wife's murder. So it was really good. Last Ship is continuing. 
and that continues to be good. Uh, pretty straightforward popcorn fare, just guns and diseases and <laughs> betrayal. All, all the good stuff. Sword Art Online 2 has started, and I've watched uh, the first five eps of that. You know, the first series was all in the fantasy genre, and it was Sword Art because it was a swords and sorcery MMO. It's Sword Art Online 2, but now he's in a shooter. However, he gets a lightsaber, so he can still wield his sword. And you are apparently popular in Japan. Uh, in the opening ep, uh, one of the characters is Darkwind. <laughs> nice. Damn no, it. No 187, though. Well, yeah. Again, <laughs> that's only because it, the damn name became popular after I started using it. No correlation. Just no. It's all you. It's all you. <laughs> Actually, um, God, who is it? Somebody has a, a damn book series that has a character in it. Because that's uh, all of a sudden out of nowhere, one day people, are, oh, you must really like that. I'm like, I've, I've never read the damn series. I don't know what you're talking about. No. <laughs> I, I had that moment with my email when I was at Comcast and I still used uh, Comcast email. It was Darklighter, but it was for Biggs Darklighter. Yeah. Um, and then after like four years, somebody asked me, like, why do you like Charmed? You're like a male. <laughs> I'm like, well, first of all, I like Charmed. <laughs> yes, but. <laughs> And I'm like, ah, it's charmed. And I had to do some research into that. And I watched a couple episodes with my wife and I was like, Oh, this is horrible. <laughs> and people think this is where I got my email from. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize, charmed fans. I'm not. <laughs> and then been watching a little bit of fairy tale because, uh, Don was persuasive and it's, uh, it's light and it's amusing. If I've had a particularly, uh, mind numbing day at work and I need something to continue the numb. Um, <laughs> it's not bad. It's just, it's not deep. So it's just a good thing to, to watch when I really don't want to pay attention to anything because Netflix has it in English. So that means I can just watch without having to read too. <laughs> and then I've also been play, uh, watching Chihaya Furu. This is uh, another one that Don mentioned and I started a while ago and then I let my subscription to Crunchyroll lapse for whatever reason. And then I got it back because I, I wanted to finish the story. Uh, so I'm almost done the first season and it's very enjoyable. This is the one he mentioned before. It's the, the competitive poetry matching kind of game. It's, but it, it, it's story, I should say, but it, it's more than that. It's, uh, it, all the characters are really, really, uh, unique and the, the story is actually very engrossing. So I know you're not going to watch it, but it's, it's, I, I too would recommend it. Don't put me in a box. I will put you in a box and I will tape the lid. And that is what I have been watching. What we're reading slash listening to. You know what? So you haven't seen, you haven't done winter or goof yet because of your vacation, right? Correct. Okay. So I'm just, I'm not going to talk about those because we'll talk about it next time. Sure. Um, because especially winter, uh, winter number three, which again, new world order comics was kind enough. Uh, you know, I kind of jokingly said, if you need a review of number three, cause we really want to know what's going on. Uh, he was kind enough to send over number three because it had just come out as we had reviewed winter one and two. And again, that's winter with a Y. Uh, and we highly recommend Yinter? it. Huh? Yinter? Shut it. So we highly recommended based off the first two, uh, issues. And so, uh, I'm going to wait to talk about number three until Jordan gets a chance to read it as well, because I think a couple things that we thought, uh, were incorrect, what we assumed. So I want, I want Jordan to be on board with that. 
Uh, well, I will very, go home and watch, read that tonight. Very then. enjoyable, though, still. Still a, a great story. And then they sent us another comic, which is completely different. It's a uh, more of a silly, slapsticky, kind of humorous uh, superhero one called Goof. So we got Goof number one through three. So uh, I'm going to give Jordan some time to read those, and we'll come back next oh, time. Oh, sure. Make it like it's all on me. You were on vacation. We uh, we all understand you, you got to have that recharge time, man. So uh, you'll get a chance to read those, and we'll talk about those. And so I, I haven't read anything else, but the one thing we can talk about, we're live is over. Sad. We're we're done. And um, not sure how I feel about the, the way it ended. I uh, I'm I'm a little disappointed. I, well, yeah, I was gonna say it. Uh, <laughs> if it had just ended with them driving off into the sunset, that would have been good. But then the twelve or thirteen year jump to. Yeah. Why all the diaries were now being read was, yeah. I didn't mind, I guess I didn't mind that part so much. I, I, I think the biggest part I minded was, you know, we had talked about, they had had so much outstanding going into the, the finale that, you know, they had better be lengthy chapters, right? Cause usually they do chapter one, chapter two, chapter three. Uh, they didn't do that. They came out with one solid finale and I think it was just, and again, to make the the jump forward and everything else, uh, just too quick. The resolution, like, was a good lead up. But even as they were doing, like, why the zombies happened, leading up to, and what all the tats meant, leading up to, even in the last couple chapters, it felt rush. It's it just seemed to me overall like they realized that they had put they had self imposed this deadline, and now they were rushing to meet it. Yeah, it it really felt like that, and it and it felt like kind of a. There were things that we followed through the entire story, which this was a huge, great story. And again, at this point, we're kind of, we're doing some nitpicking at the end because we have enjoyed it so much. Uh, and I do highly recommend it, but it, it felt like some of the things that were, we were following along from the beginning and we kind of almost became focal points towards the middle and a little bit more leading up to the end became throwaway. In the finale, like, oh yeah, well, it seemed to me they addressed the Maulers a lot more than they did the the source of the zombie, the the zombism and why that happened. Yeah, I thought it was kind of an original way of of doing it. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen that quite the way they did it in the show. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've seen the chem kind of thing, but quite that right. theory from uh, what's your name, the doctor. Uh, I thought that was kind of original, but I thought they spent more time trying to deal with the human characters and rushed the, the, the zombie side of it. And, uh, yeah, it's, just, I mean, yeah. I'm, gl- I'm definitely not glad it's over. Right. Um, but I, I definitely think it was uh, a better than passing, uh, final story. Yep. And, you know, we'll, we'll wait and see. They are working on something else. So we'll see what if we're it, still alive. Yeah. Well, we'll see if it's in the same vein or, or, if it's a, a completely new series or a new show that they're working on. But whatever it is, uh, I'll give it a shot because these guys have done an amazing job up to this point. Like I said, uh, now, uh, some qualms about the and quibbles about the ending here a little bit. But so, th- so there was a little rough start in the beginning when they first started out, which, you know, new production, new people, new everything. You know, it's the same with like, it's like the pilot, right? Mm-hmm. A pilot of a show. You see the premise, you see the, the, the potential for the diamond there. Hopefully you get that worked out within two, three episodes, uh, or your shield. Um, <laughs> that's right. I went there. They worked it all out and it just became a really 
good show, solid show pretty much all the way through. And then just some little quibbles in the end. And I'm not going to say it, it, it's not because it ended, uh, which I am sad to see it end, but I wanted a little bit more out of the end. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So uh, then I'm all on you because right. I haven't had time to read much. I gave up on expatriates. Did you? Yep. Ooh, that's um, not good. It was boring as hell. It was, and it followed, not only did it follow the, the military involvement with the zombie, like straight out of Romero and any other kind of zombie horror movie or, or TV show. He jokes about it. One of the characters is, you know, at this point in the movies, uh, this <laughs> is when the military steps in and screws everything up. And hey, what do you know? The next chapter, there's a drone and the military steps in and screws everything up. So I don't know if he was trying to be clever with his foreshadowing, but <laughs> it failed and it was just all very dry and, and not at all suspenseful. And it was just a straight line. You could just see him telegraph everything that he did like a couple chapters in advance. It was just really boring and like, well, forget this then. I, <laughs> I'm on vacation. I've got better things to do than, well, as it turned out, I didn't, but <laughs> I thought I was going to have better things to do than read this book. I finished Across the Nightingale Floor by uh, Leon Hearn. That went in really more different directions than I thought it was going to. Um, this is apparently the first book in a series. It was not bad. It was, uh, it was interesting more than good. Um, so I'm not going to check it out, but if you like, uh, the kind of feudal Japan thing and, you know, court intrigue and assassinations, and generally those are things I do like, check it out across the nightingale floor. Just, um, something about it just didn't quite, quite catch me the right way. On the comic side, I'm caught up now on letter 44, but the last issue was kind of a, a clip up of how everybody got into the letter 44 program or into the space program to go meet the aliens that are, you know, the core of letter 44. So it didn't actually advance the plot. So being caught up is kind of <laughs> was a wasted issue. I, I didn't care for it at all. Like, oh, who cares? You could have just interspersed this a little bit better as opposed to devoting a whole issue to how the team came together. Still continuing to read Miss Marvel and still enjoying it. It's still a pretty good take on kind of the trials and tribulations of the teen heroes with um, some strict culturally not uh, wasp parents. So it's uh, it's enjoyable. She's she's learning about her powers. She's trying to deal with her parents and her family and the tenets of her Muslim beliefs. It's it's, it's enjoyable. On the Valiant side, I've started reading Eternal Warrior. I'm not quite sure what they're up to, but I've read the first five, I think, or six. And uh, the Eternal Warrior is an Eternal Warrior. It starts out like 6,000 years ago, Sumerian times kind of thing. And uh, he and his son and daughter are, uh, he's immortal. He's been immortal for quite some time. And his son gets killed in combat and his daughter seems to get killed in combat. And then it jumps ahead like 5,000 years to our time. And he discovers that daughter's not dead and she is also immortal like he is. And there's bits and bobs about what he's done as the eternal warrior between these times and why his daughter has now shown up. And then there's a uh, another jump. Uh, one of the characters who supposedly speaks for the voice of Earth, of the Earth, you know, Gaia type voice, not just gems and, you know, <laughs> dirt, uh, who speaks for the voice of the Earth, um, pisses him off. So he says, screw you. I'm not going to help anymore. And then there's a 2000 year jump. So we're into like the year, what would be 6,000 or so, uh, 4,000, I should say, except there's been a disaster. 
disposal he's lived, but like the nukes dropped or whatever. There's some sort of, you know, technological and societal destruction disaster, but he's still kicking. His daughter's still kicking. The ancient evil that he's been fighting on and off for like 8,000 years now, that's still kicking. So no matter how long he lives, his nemesis is always there. So he can't get away from it. It's been a good read. And it, it's, I don't know if this was an original Valiant title or if this is from the relaunch, but it's enjoyable. I don't know what it's up to. Um, like I said, I've read five or six issues. Uh, if there's more of it, cause where I ended, it seemed like a very solid end point. He, he solved the, the riddle, particularly riddle that he was working on. He made his statements about society and he flipped a lot of people the bird, but then he kind of turned around and said, well, so there, there could be more issues, but this seems like a pretty definitive ending. So I'm going to, I'm going to look into that because it was enjoyable. East of West, the futuristic apocalypse. Um, I think I'm up to like 12 or 13 on that. And that has just really gotten really, really good. All the players are coming to the fore. All the minions of the, uh, of the three other horsemen of the apocalypse are, are all in full play now. And death is rallying his forces, even though he doesn't look at it like that. He's just, he's discovered he's got a kid. So there's this whole, well, that was a bit of a spoiler, but I'm not up to date. So it's probably a few months old now. So he's, he's now mustering his forces, limited though they may be, to go find his kid and see what the forces of evil have done to his kid. It's really kicked off. There's been some excellent deaths and some excellent changes of characters and, uh, pain is a constant in this book and, and it's used really well. So East of West, if you haven't started reading it yet, go, go read it. Uh, I've read the first, uh, I think, four issues of Avenger, Avengers Undercover. This is the spin out of um, Avengers Island, or whatever it was, where Arcade kidnaps all the junior B-listers. So those that survived have now uh, apparently gone to join and become villains and members of the uh, crime syndicate. <laughs> no, that's DC, not the crime syndicate, <laughs> um, the Masters of Evil. So it's uh, it's interesting. I mean, it's... uh. They're not A-listers, so it's a nice, enjoyable break. You know, you're not going to get deep, you know, secret invasion kind of crap. It's it, it, it's just a, an enjoyable uh, substitute for um, Runaways. City of Secrets, you did mention the the Pathfinder book, and that that's what it was, City of Secrets. They've gone to Magnamar now. And I read the first uh, three issues of that, and it... Uh, it's more of the same. It's enjoyable. It's, uh, uh, the art is, uh, better than the last half of the, the first series, I think, <laughs> but not as good as the first half of the first series. It's taken them three issues and, uh, I think they've gotten to the point of what they're doing or they've at least decided that both of the, the stories about people dealing with Saren Ray and the clerics of Saren Ray have, have merged for everybody in the party now. So I'm interested to see where that goes, but I don't think that's going to be quite as much as a, as a get every month as it used to be uh, for the first series. Also on the FRP side, Rat Queen 7, that is moving along. The Big Bad has been revealed and his motivations for being the Big Bad and uh, and then the usual hijinks and adventure inside. So it wasn't quite as laugh out loud as some of the other issues, but it was still a good solid issue and it's, it's moving along well. Uh, Lazarus, uh, I think I've, I'm up to eight now. Not quite sure what the publishing schedule on that is, so I don't know how close to caught up I am. But uh, they're continuing her investigation into her true origins, and uh, she's trying to track down her brother now, who uh, apparently beat her sister and then fled to go join a rival family. And uh, whether any of that is well, the reader knows whether or not that's true. 
but she doesn't. So she's, she's on this investigation to see what really happened. And, uh, I think she's about to catch up with wherever her brother ended up. And I think things are not going to go well for either of them. Uh, and then Moon Knight, it's been pretty solid, but, uh, I forget the name of the writer, but apparently he's going to be done after the end of the first arc or the first six issues. So, uh, hopefully whoever they get to replace him will, uh, We'll continue because it's been really good. It's There's no arc here. It's just been one issue, one issue, one issue, one and done. So that's very enjoyable. And it's a nice change from having to know you're going to be stuck with something for six months, whether you like it or not. And then I checked out the first three issues of Southern Bastards from, I think it's Image. It's either Image or Boom. And it's about a dude that goes back to Georgia, somewhere in Georgia. His father's died. He's got no relationship with his father. Dude's now in his 60s, so the father would have been in his 80s kind of thing. As the story progresses, you find out that the father's a bit of an asshole and the son left just to get away from him. And he goes back and discovers that uh, there's a crime ring in town now, and the crime ring is is led by the high school football coach. And it's very much, uh, I think, a commentary. Well, not a commentary, but it. I think it draws on the writer's uh, own experiences with small-town athletics and small-town crime and uh small town expectations and small town family and it, it's it, it's good he he just wants to go there to deal with the estate get everything out of the house and go, go back to go back to his wife and things things change people recognize him as his father's son and they won't quite leave him alone now and then he realizes that there the town is really not in that great a shape and he decides he's going to do something about it and uh in the best use of it as an impromptu weapon in recent comics, I got to say, and this is not a spoiler because it's in the first issue and the thing's four or five months old now, he beats a guy with a fry basket. He picks it up while the fries are still in there frying, so it's still got some hot grease on it, and he just whacks him with it, and there's a nice sizzle scene as the the, the, the fry basket hits flesh. And it's it really reminds me kind of... Uh, kind of a Grand Torino thing, you know, that's Clint Eastwood's character, uh, only without the, the amusing racism. So, you know, the, the older guy that he knows what's right and he's, he's going to do something about it. So if we follow that, then he's going to die at the end, but, uh, spoilers for Grand Torino. So yeah, uh, Southern Bastards, I say check that one out too. How many things you got to spoil in one? Oh, I can keep going. Uh, I know you can. Oh, <laughs> Vader's son. <laughs> Let me go get my shirt and you can just read it. My spoiled shirt. Yoda dies. <laughs> what we're playing. All right. So, like I said, I went to Protospiel, Michigan. I got a bunch of games in there. That's probably the majority of my board game playing. So, uh, I got in some games. Like I said, David Shepard was in the, uh, Carpool with us, and he broke broke out a bunch of games, so I got to play some of his stuff. Our Manifest Destiny is a train game he has that was really good. Not necessarily keen on the name. I think you might need to change that a little bit. But the game itself was pretty solid. Let's see. I played uh, Of Dungeons Deep, which was in the micro contest. Uh, it's uh, Jason Glover, Great Home Games. Uh, this, I believe, is going to be his next Kickstarter. Loved the game in the contest. Love what he's done with the game since. And I think it's just going to get stronger from the feedback he got at Protospiel. So he's going to have another hit on his hands. Uh, another successful Kickstarter for Grey Gnome Games. 
Uh, let's see. Sheppy also had, that's David Shepard. Sheppy also had a unnamed space alien cargo game that everybody had a great time with. He got some really good compliments on this one from people that he should be uh, very thrilled that he got the, the compliments that he did from uh, some, some very great designers came up to him even the day after saying they were still thinking about it and talking to other people about the game. So he's got a good game on his hands uh, if he can get it out there. Also played the, uh, like I told you, the five to six player expansion for Gravwell that Corey Young has been working on unofficially. Uh, this is not, he hasn't taken it to Cryptozoic yet. He's still kind of fleshing it out, which is false because it doesn't need any fleshing out. It is amazing. If Cryptozoic does not pick up the five to six player expansion, let's all meet somewhere. <laughs> And go tell them how wrong they are. Running code red on them. <laughs> uh, it, it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. He, he described it to me. I fell in love with it. I told him I had to play it. He brought it out. I played it. I wasn't wrong. Uh, it's just, it's just a well done. I mean, Gravwell is such a beautiful game to begin with. The way he handled five to six players is awesome. I really hope we get to see that publicly in the future here. Played, uh, Matt Warden's Abbotsville which is forever renamed to Puma Punchers. Puma Punchers! <laughs> oh, and Matt Warden will never ride in a car with me again. Don't care. Official name now, Puma Punchers. So I'll go punch some Pumas. Uh, let's see. I played a game called The Princely Courts. That was one that still needs a little bit of work, I think. <laughs> uh, oh, man, you're just not playing it right. Exactly. <laughs> that That is the game. Lots of feedback was given. Uh, we'll see if the designer takes it. Pixel Bit Beatdown. That was one of Sheppy's as well. That was a lot of fun. I uh, had a good time with that. I think we all kind of did. My only thing, and this is a personal thing, it's it's the 8-bit art style. Not a fan of 8-bit art, but uh, it was a good game despite that. <laughs> that is not nostalgia, people. No. <laughs> I, I keep telling people recently, there's a reason graphics have improved. <laughs> I don't want to go back. <laughs> See, uh, Jason Glover also had Stone Fire. He broke that out. That is one that he is, uh, taking a lot of feedback for. And, uh, part of my feedback for him was knowing who his target audience is, who he likes to try to target. And, uh, as it sat, this game wasn't going to be that. Uh, it's a good game. Uh, and he got, I think, what he needed out of that to, to bring it into his target audience realm. So I, I, that's one I look forward to playing the next iteration of in the future. Ether Magic, of course, that's uh, Matt Warden's For Goods and Honor that got picked up by Happy Mitten Games and is now called Ether Magic. Finally got to see that and play it. Had a good time with that. Feedback was minimal. They've been doing a lot of playtesting with that one as it is. They had like just got back from Origins and made some changes off of the feedback they got there. Everybody really enjoyed that one. It was interesting for me to see it because it's done the whole theme change and what's been added. They had to add a lot of things and, and took out some things to work the theme in. Still really enjoyed it, though. It was it was a, a good, solid game, and uh, I'm happy for Matt. I can't wait to, for this to, to finally hit Kickstarter. Played a game called Battle, uh, which was just this. Um, have you ever played Frag? Frag, yeah. Have you like, do you like frag? I mean, the, the, it's, it, you want to though, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it's the first person shooter on a, on a board game. And, you know, there's the, the lighter crowd or whatever that really likes frag. And then there's the, the middle ground where you want to like frag. 
but it doesn't quite fit in right all that good stuff battle is a first person shooter type game it's what frag should be um <laughs> and i believe it was joel hobbs i believe is the designer he's one of the other guys or another person that hangs out over at the game crafter and basically what it is is like this major weapons designing corporation is hiring so you're in there for the job here's your weapons last person standing kind of thing, you know, is, is the one that's going to get the job and there's, you know, respawn and all that crap. So there, you can, you can play it player elimination. If you really want to, you can play it. Not, you know, we played teams, uh, and we just had a blast. And there's, you know, things like, you know, coffee does, you know, you collect coffee and it does this for you. And that's, and basically our biggest feedback, I think overall, I mean, we, we gave them some things to, to try out and to maybe trim, but our biggest feedback, I think, was because he was trying to find some kind of medium balance, and we were like, don't do that. Just over the top. This is a game that begs to be over the top. So just take it there. Just keep going with it. Take it over the, over the top and just enjoy it because it really is set up really well for that. And it was a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun with that one. So uh, it, it was a, a pretty cool uh, first-person shooter trying to win the job. <laughs> game it was a lot of fun nine worlds was a little micro game that i got to try out how micro can it be if there's nine worlds <laughs> that's pretty micro for <laughs> micro game uh it was kind of a bidding type game uh there's a couple things on that one that we suggested this was one that sheppy brought for a friend of his to test out played pretty pretty well there's just a couple cards i think need to be tweaked obviously i played a couple unnamed uh, more unnamed prototypes um i really didn't play a bad game the, my one of my favorite things was it's, it now has a name. I think, uh, JT's calling it Noble Siege. JT had an idea. I think it was, I think this was all Saturday. So he got an idea for a game when he was in the shower that morning, prototyped it, uh, cause he brought a bunch of blanks for everybody to use. He gave a bunch of, you know, every time he usually attends a proto, proto spiel and he helps sponsor it, he brings a bunch of blanks so people can just take and design on the spot. And he did. So he has these little cards and, and, uh, it's just this castle defend your nobles siege the other castles kind of game and it and it's kind of a micro micro-ish game and from that morning to I think our final play I know he played it some on Sunday as well so he probably got some more of you but we played it like at 2 a.m. I think was when we were playing it and at that point it was kind of where we went this is done you know we made a bunch of changes to it and JT's like, this is done. And he had it in his mind that it was going to be a longer game because he's like, I never make anything under X number of minutes or whatever. And we, and it plays in about 10 minutes, 10, 10, 15 minutes. And he was just like over the moon. He's like, I've never, I've never designed a game this short. And it was a solid game. And it was like me, the, the final, final plays that evening was like me, uh, Josh Bricker, the Flux Capacity and, uh, Francois, which, who is, uh, one of the main designers that, that Josh works with on a lot of their games. So the four of us sat there and like we ripped stuff. And that's one of the things I like about protospiel events is like you, you'll do something. And when you immediately figure out it's not working, you stop. You figure it out, you rip, rip out, add in whatever you need to do, and then you keep going. And we must have done that like four or five times. And by that fifth and sixth play, it was like, this is it. And so by in the span of a day, JT created his next game, which was awesome to see and be a part of. All right. And then let's see. So, uh, getting past that, uh, 
if I, it's probably no surprise, I'm still playing Star Realms. I've been playing a lot of Star Realms. Uh, I've been playing with some of our listeners. That's awesome. Again, if you want to send me a request, it's Darkwind, D-A-R-K-W-I-N-D. I've been playing with some of our listeners. I've been playing a lot with Michael. Michael is usually, I don't know why, other than this last game, I think it wasn't, but Michael and I have these really, really tight, close games. Like everybody else is nowhere near that. And Michael are, and I are like, one, two points, two, you know, we just keep trading places until, uh, somebody wins. And it's, that's been awesome, but I've been playing a lot with Michael. Um, and lately, Ming, I started getting requests from Ming and that's awesome. Like I haven't seen Ming in forever and, uh, now I'm playing Star Realms with him online. So that's kind of cool. I, I've been enjoying that as well. And, and again, like I said, uh, several listeners, uh, several members from the club have gotten in on it, especially now that it's available on, uh, on, uh, your PC or Mac. I think the app, the iOS is still unapproved yet. Like they sent it back like three times or something like that, but it is available out there playing it quite a bit. Prison Architect, you know, I talk about that one off and on. That's one of my mind numbers. And plus now it's my research game. <laughs> <laughs> and then out of the, like, uh, it was, uh, Steam, one of the Steam sales, like one of the, either, I don't know if it was a midweek or what or something, but they had Castle Storm. Have you ever played Castle Storm at all? No. They had it on for like three bucks. Uh, and it's, it's, um, you know, it's your tower defense y kind of game, but I got my three bucks out of that in an afternoon. I played the hell out of that game. Uh, absolutely enjoyed it. And it's, it's an interesting game in that you actually, you build your castle and you build it for defense because the AI or your opponent or whatever is, is trying to d- destroy your castle, but you also build it like that's how you decide what uh, units you're going to have. You have to put rooms in your castle and you can only have so many rooms and all this stuff. And if they crash through and crash through that room, you no longer get that unit and you got to do food and all this. Stuff. So you build this castle and you try to make it defensible and then you go in and try to take your units. Plus you can also always take control of a hero and actually be on the front lines with your hero hacking on things. And then you also control like your catapult and stuff, trying to destroy the other castle. And it's just, it's, it's been fun. They, you know, you, and then you always unlock new rooms. And then, so then you try to go back and try to reconfigure your castle so you can try out new things. And like I said, I got easily got my three bucks. It was like three bucks and some change. And then I even went back on, it was like a, a buck or something each that day for the add on stuff. They had like some DLC. So for like five bucks, I got the game and the DLC and I easily just that afternoon alone got my five bucks out of it. So that was a lot of fun. And then the only, only other thing, again, like I said, uh, before, uh, Bill and I will be having the creation process thing. So we've been trying out some stuff. We don't have a full blown prototype yet, but, uh, every time we get a couple mechanics together, uh, sit down with it. I think we're on the verge of having our first intro scenario ready to test. So we've already kind of started writing that up and I'm looking forward to that. So I've been messing around with our prototype and that's what I've been playing around with. Cool. I have a somewhat smaller list. <laughs> you, uh, didn't, you didn't go to Protospiel? I didn't. I <laughs> uh, got in a nice game of Attack Wing. It was a three-way game. It was, uh, it was not an OP. It was just uh, a few of us got together to play and, uh, you know, I'd won all these ships over the co- course of the first <laughs> six or eight months, but none of them are really interesting to, they're not competitive ships. You know, people complain that WizKids puts out prizes that unbalance the game. No, they don't. <laughs> 
So I decided to run my whole fleet with all these prize ships. Just to, just to show everybody? Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it was not my intention to show that they were poor ships. It was my intention to see if they could be made to work despite themselves. And they didn't. <laughs> you know, if I'd had another 10 points to put some upgrades on a couple of the ships, maybe it might have made a difference. But I'll just put it out there right now. The Tholian, the Gorn, and the Timur... This is not a winning combination. It's a second place combination. It's not a winning combination. Let's see here. Got in some Pathfinder Adventure card game. You bastard. <laughs> that one, um, I really thought we were going to lose that one because we took some bad beats. One of the Mike encountered a barrier that was to spawn a uh, skeletal horde henchman uh, for each player and all three of us. We're in no condition to be fighting at that point, and all three of us failed, and all three of us had to discard our hands all on the same turn. <laughs> um, and then uh, Nate pulled something that essentially did the same thing. It was, uh, oh yeah, if it was a, it was a on closing, everybody discards a card. I forget what location that is, the woods or something like that. So one round we all cycled our hand, the next round we all lost a card again. <laughs> anyways. And it was really, it was really, we were halfway through the 30 and we, then we ran into the boss who we failed to defeat. So we lost more <laughs> blessings from, from the timer pile, but then we had a series of good luck. Three, three turns in a row, we ran into henchmen in high in the pile for three different locations. So we managed to close out three of the five locations in consecutive turns. And then <laughs> things went, things went better at that point. We ran into the henchmen in a pile uh, the the villain was in a pile with the henchman so that we got to close that out and move him just down to the last the last open <laughs> pile so things things proceeded unexpectedly quickly and to our favor at a point where i thought we were at that point just going to grind through to a loss so that was a good game let's see here uh jordal khan was uh, a couple weeks ago Got in a game of ghost story which i hadn't played before but it was kind of interesting it's uh kind of have you played it? I have it, but I haven't played it. Okay. <laughs> uh, it, it was a co-op. I hear a lot of good things about it. Though. It was good. I mean, the, uh, it's, I guess it's kind of Asian themed horror monsters and you got to work together and it's a grid and the monsters, you know, move up and lock out the grid. So if you lose too many grid tiles, you lose. Or if all your, if all your monster starting spots are full, you, you, you die. Uh, we worked together and eventually lost. It was uh, it was good, but good we all lost together. At the same time, got to play Don's Godzilla game for the first time. Nice, and that was uh, that was enjoyable. It was pretty cool. He did a good job of uh, kind of uh, getting that monster movie theme and that monster movie world down on down on the board. It was pretty cool. Pretty cool. Got in a game of Dust Warfare. Oh, and <laughs> Manhattan Project. I played that <laughs> at the JordoCon, and it's also finally available. The Kickstarter failed, but it is now out on the iOS, uh, on the, uh, on the Android. So I downloaded that. It's only seven bucks. Oh, it is on the Android. Yep. And I uh, saw the iOS message here recently, but okay. It's right, cool. It's right here. Awesome. So I've been playing that, but, uh, playing that a lot. I, I, as you say, I definitely got my seven dollars worth out of that just in the first day. But this game we were playing, it was Don, me, and the Harper brothers. <laughs> and I've never seen Don. I've never heard Don swear. He, he Well, you know Don. You know, I've <laughs> never seen him swear. And um, he was doing the math, and he realized that he he couldn't win on that turn as he thought. And he made the, the mistake of saying, damn, I can't win. So that 
cued everybody to the fact that he thought he was going to win that turn. So <laughs> his next turn was just pull everybody off because that's all his only a- option at the time. So we were all staring at the board trying to figure out how how do we avoid losing for one more turn. And um, Tom took the shot and he blocked out wherever where, I forget the square Don, Don was going for. I think it was one of the scientists to get plutonium, you know, like scientists, $3 mm-hmm. and a cake and, and, and it gets you the plutonium. And, uh, so he went there and he did that and Don just looked at him and said, fuck you. So, <laughs> I mean, I've never see, heard Don swear and I'm not saying he doesn't. I just, I've just never heard him because he's always a laid back guy, you know, and he's yep. always, <laughs> even at the most intense part of the game, it's just, uh, it's body movement. It's not language and just, and it was just, whoa, I've never seen anybody piss off Don that bad before. <laughs> Way to go, Tom. <laughs> Um, so between that and now having it on the tablet, I've been playing probably too much. Uh, <laughs> I have to grab that project. I have to see if it's if it's compatible with mine. Yeah, so I have that problem off and on. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Ooh, yeah, yeah. I I was at Protospiel. You were at Jordalcon. That was same weekend, unfortunately. All right. You know, uh, speaking of Don, Don will be here next time we record. So Anime Don will be in studio again in the Geek Compound. Woohoo! Yeah, looking forward to it. And uh, we also, uh, we might as well go ahead and tell everybody, uh, you know, unfortunately, we're not at Gen Con, obviously. Spoilers. So, I know. so no, look for us, really. <laughs> <laughs> look for the guys with the All This Geek shirts. Slap Free em. prizes. <laughs> Just take whatever they're holding. <laughs> they know. That that bag of goodies, it's all yours if you can get it from the All This I would, it would just be awesome if somebody was there in an Oski shirt. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, but next, next episode, Don will be here. Like I said, we'll talk about those comics and we're also going to go ahead and get in, uh, Dead of Winter from Plat Hat Games. That'll be what we review next time. Uh, so since we're not hanging out at Gen Con, well, you know, we're going to have a little gaming fun of our own. We, we've got Dead of Winter sitting here. Uh, we didn't have a Kickstarter come up. So uh, we're going to get in a game of Dead of Winter or several games, hopefully, and uh, we'll come back and tell you what we think of that particular Plat Hat game product. All right. I think that will do it for us. Thanks for hanging out with us again. I'm Jeff King. And I am the Canadian. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a proud member of the GeekCast Network. If you enjoyed it and are looking for other podcasts with a geek culture slant, head over to geekcastnetwork.com, where you will find podcasts such as Two Bald Geeks, a podcast by two bald horror movie fans that dissect one horror movie a month, saving the spoilers for last. The GeekCast Network. You can broadcast your geekiness at geekcastnetwork.com.
it's been fun it's been real till next time stay chill stay trill do what you like